This inspiring message comes to you from Impact Church in Kingston, Ontario, where we are committed to living like Jesus and loving like Jesus. It is our prayer that this message blesses and enriches your life. third part in our series of Come to the Water, and Pastor Cameron, his first um, part was called A Call to Follow and Encounter Jesus, and the second part was A Call to Faith and Encounter Jesus, and I feel today that God's given me a message that is a call to fulfillment, and um, you know, it's interesting because I want to share with you a story of a disciple um, that's referenced in the New Testament in different ways. And if you can just bear with me for a moment, we might know him as Simon, son of John, a.k.a. Simon, a.k.a. Simon Peter, a.k.a. Peter, and wait for it, in the Greek, he's also known as Kepha. <laughs> um, I guarantee you that this individual does not have multiple personalities disorder. It is one in the same person. Um, but like us, he had a journey. When he met Jesus Christ, he then had a journey of transformation. And so there were, there were seasons where he was Simon, son of John, and, and that reference is to the fact that his father's name was John. And so he was, he was in the family business, and he was known as a fisherman, and he was known as Simon, son of John. And then he was known as just Simon. And then it became where there was a confusion of, is he Simon, is he Peter, or let's just land on Simon Peter. Um, because God was trying to transfor- transform him from Simon into Peter. And as we go through this story, you'll see why and how. And then it became that where he was finally just referenced as Peter. And there are places in the New Testament where it's, it's translated in the English Peter, but then it's also translated in the Greek Kepha. And um, so I want to take a look at this character of Peter for us today. And I want to share, typically we share stories from the beginning to the end. But I actually kind of want to share his story this morning from, from the reverse. So I want to start with the end of his life and work backwards. Um, so he's a very interesting character. So in the early church fathers, in the, in the writings of our early church fathers, um, Peter uh, was suggested that he was martyred by crucifixion, um, that he was crucified head down in Rome. So we know that where Peter ended up was actually what was prophesied and what he wanted to be, and he was actually able to do that, apparently according to church fathers, with a whole lot of grace and a whole lot of strength of the Holy Spirit that was upon him. Um, we also know Peter was an apostle to the Jews and a leader in the New Testament church. Um, We know that through a trance, he received a divine revelation that he was also to include the Gentiles in receiving the gospel. And a few times, Paul references going up to sea, and and this is where he's referenced as Kepha in the New Testament. And when Paul is referencing this, he's referencing that he's gone gone up to see James and John and Peter. So we know that he was a a leader in the New Testament church. Um, He healed a lame man, and he preached the second recorded sermon in the book of Acts. He spoke boldly to the Sanhedrin in Acts 4, and he presided over the church discipline of Ananias and Sapphira. As a pastor, I'm not sure I want to preside over that kind of discipline where somebody drops dead because they've lied to the Holy Spirit. 
Um, but Peter was the one that was actually presiding over that, that moment in time. Um, he also spoke at the Jerusalem Council in Acts 15. And as we know him, we particularly know Peter well for his sermon on the day of Pentecost. Um, Pentecost, uh, we know that as meaning 50, and we know that as being the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. Uh, in the Old Testament, though, the day of Pentecost was, was originally known as a harvest festival. Um, so Pentecost, to us, is, if you could translate it this way, is, is harvest. And who here knows that a harvest is about fruit and it's about fulfillment? It's about those things that have been growing and we've been watching them grow, we've been nurturing them, watering them, all those kinds of things, and then it comes to fulfillment. It comes to a place of harvest. And that's what happened on the day of Pentecost. And, and uh, Peter was a part of this day. And um, for us as Christians, of course, we know that that day is especially important to us, and we celebrate it, and it's 50 days after the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And so literally, it's uh, Jesus Christ came, and he, when he rose, he revealed himself for 40 days to the disciples. And then he ascended, and then the disciples went, and they stayed in an upper room for 10 days, so 50 days in total before the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. And... Um, Peter was the privileged leader. We know him to be that privileged leader that on that day when that outpouring of the Holy Spirit was poured out upon the church and the, the disciples and the church was birthed. And that's where we come from. That's where the church was born on that day of Pentecost. And Peter was the privileged disciple who was able to boldly stand up seven weeks after the death and the resurrection, the crucifixion and resurrection of Jesus Christ and boldly declare to the very people who had put Jesus Christ on the cross to say, repent, repent, you have crucified the risen Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. And if you repent, then you will receive forgiveness of sins, and you too will receive the, this gift of the outpouring of the Holy Spirit that you now see and feel. Isn't that amazing? Here was Peter who was able and privileged on that day to give a sermon that brought a harvest of 3,000 people to Jesus Christ. Wow, that is amazing. And he did it without a microphone. I don't know how they did that. That's pretty awesome. Um, a little later, we see that Peter in the New Testament is performing miracles as he travels. And we also know that Peter wrote two books of the New Testament. Um, what I want to do, though, now is I want to take a look at before the day of Pentecost. We, however, also know Peter as, as I mentioned before, Simon or Simon Peter. And we know him to have been very, have very passionate confessions and acts. Um, he was at times very bold. He was impulsive. He was arrogant at times. Um, he had this bold faith, but it was like he, was, he vacillated a lot. And I think that's why they kind of went, is he, is he Simon? Is, is he Peter? I, I don't know. Um, and I just want to walk through some of those things that we, we see um, Simon Peter vacillating in. And it's things like this. So on the Mount of Transfiguration, when Jesus went up the mountain, he was transfigured transformed before Peter and another, a couple of other disciples. Um, he just 
he didn't know what to do. He was so like in awe of the moment and he was transfixed that he suggested making a shelter, an earthly shelter. <laughs> so this is, this is Jesus Christ. He's actually asking, saying, let's make an earthly shelter for Jesus, Moses, and Elijah who have, have um, shown themselves to us. And he was corrected by Jesus for a fleshly mindset in that time. Um, he wouldn't let Jesus wash his feet. So when Jesus um, took up the towel and he wanted to serve his disciples and he wanted to wash their feet, um, Peter said, no, Jesus, I'll have none of it. You're not washing my feet. But then when Jesus says to him, Peter, if you don't let me wash your feet, then you will have no part in what I'm doing. Jesus says, well, then wash my head and my hands too. And Jesus says to him, Peter, you know, calm down, Peter. <laughs> he says, your body's clean. I just want to wash your feet. And it's interesting to me in that, and I, and I spoke it in the prayer room, but um, that particular instance is where, where Jesus is basically saying, you're saved, you're clean. But there are things on the, of the world that are on your feet that need to be washed off. And I feel like this morning that he's wanting to say to some of you that you're saved, you're clean. But there are some things on you that have attached themselves to you that you've been walking around in the world. And because you've been walking around the world, some things of the world have gotten on you. And Jesus wants to come to say, I want to serve you. I want to wash your feet today. Let me cleanse you. Let me get some of that stuff off you. Let me get the things of the world off of you. But overall, you are clean. You're saved. Um, we see Peter that... Um, when he was walking on the water, that he had the faith to, to step out of the boat. And Pastor Cameron spoke of that last week. And he had that faith to step out of the boat, but then he began to doubt and he sank. And he needed Jesus to rescue him. Um, we see that, that Peter is the one who actually receives the revelation that Jesus is the Son of God. And in that moment when he receives that revelation, even Jesus himself was in awe. He said, Peter, you can't receive that from man. That's of the Spirit. That's of, of God. And he then declares to Peter that, that um, he's making his name Peter, that upon that revelation, upon that name, the church will be built. Isn't that, wouldn't you be amazed to be in that moment of having this amazing revelation for the very first time, the very first person, that Jesus is the Son of God? And then, shortly after, Upon hearing that Jesus will be persecuted and killed, Peter says, no, that's never going to happen to you, Jesus. And he says, get behind me, Satan. You don't know the mind in which you're speaking of. You're speaking in the mind of man instead of the mind of God. Wow, what a vacillation for, for Simon Peter to have this revelation. of Peter, you're going to be a rock. Get behind me, Satan. <laughs> I'm glad our pastor has never had to say that to me. <laughs> that's, a, that's good. Um, but we see this vacillation in Simon Peter again. Um, and then we see that, you know, in the Garden of Gethsemane, when Jesus is needing to pray and he's, he's deeply interceding before the Father because he's about to go to the cross. And he has a weight to carry because he has to carry the weight of the sins of the whole entire world upon him. And he takes his disciples with him, and he takes three of them closer with him, and he says, stay and watch while I go over, go over here and pray. And he goes and prays with the Father, and he comes back and he finds the disciples sleeping, and one of them is Peter. That happens three times. 
And he says to Peter, Peter, stay awake and pray so that you will not fall into temptation. So we see Peter again in, this, in the Garden of Gethsemane uh, failing to pray. And then in that same Garden of Gethsemane, when the soldiers come to take away Jesus, we see that Peter cuts off the, the, the slave girl's ear, or the slave man's ear, and Jesus says, put away your sword, Peter. I, don't, I, feel, I feel for Peter. <laughs> he gets rebuked an awful lot. I mean, he's trying to do what he's supposed to do. He's, he's wanting to be who he thinks God is wanting him to be. And yet every time he steps out in that faith and every time he goes a little bit more boldly, then he gets rebuked or he gets corrected or he gets, you know, stopped. And I, I really feel for Peter. I think that in that moment I might feel a little frustrated. But like, Jesus, what do you want from me? <laughs> you tell me to go. You tell me you're going to commission me. You tell me I'm going to be Peter. You tell me I'm going to be a rock. I'm trying to be those things. And yet every time I step out and try to do it, you stop me and I get corrected. Slightly frustrated here, Jesus. Um, And then we see that um, Peter, at one point, he boldly declares that he will never disown Jesus and he's willing to go to prison as well as die for him. And we can see that through all of these different things that we have identified in Peter's life, that Peter vacillates um, quite a bit between being bold and weak and between flesh and spirit. And on one hand, after Pentecost, he's a rock-solid leader, boldly proclaiming that Jesus Christ was crucified and resurrected and and, um, was then pouring out the gift of the Holy Spirit. And he's preaching repentance and he's performing miracles and he becomes an influential leader in the church. So my question for us today is, when we're seeing Peter's life in reverse, what was it that transformed Peter? What was it that changed Simon into Peter? Because I believe today, this morning, that some of us, just as we sang that song, I am who you say I am. You have heard God prophesy over you. You have heard him declare and call you by another name. And you have been desperately trying to live up to that name. And you have vacillated back and forth between flesh and spirit and and that old nature and a new nature and wanting to be that new person but not there yet. And it is frustrating you. And I feel like God is wanting to come and say that he's wanting to give you the answer as to what's going to help you to transform and change from that old person into the new that Christ has already died for you to be. You know, many would say that it was the day of Pentecost that changed Simon to Peter that it was the outpouring and the infilling and the empowering of the Holy Spirit that came upon him that made him into what he was that day. And there's a portion of that 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 is true. But can I put forth to you this morning that I think that that was the fulfillment of something that happened earlier in Peter's life. And without this earlier thing happening to Peter, then the day of Pentecost would never have happened for him. I would like to suggest this morning, and if you're unfamiliar with Peter's story already, because we're doing it in reverse, that there was a moment beside a fire when Jesus Christ was being beaten and he was on trial 
and he was going to be going to the cross the next day. I would like to put forth to you that it was the trial by fire that made Peter who he ended up being on the day of Pentecost. Can you imagine what it would have been like for Peter to have heard his name, Peter? You're the rock. You know him. But to live up to his name, Simon, instead. Can you, can you be and let your defenses go down long enough to, to say you could potentially see yourself in that moment where he desperately wanted to be Peter, but was Simon instead? This morning, I believe that this, this moment was the day that Peter actually found who he truly was. And the importance of that is that if we don't authentically understand our humanity, then we will never be able to be who God has called us to be in the Spirit. That if we do not completely understand our ability to fail, our ability, and in the word failure means to not fulfill, to not meet a standard. And that's important because God is calling us to fulfillment. But he's saying if you are in the flesh and not in the spirit, then you will fail. You will fall short and you will not fulfill. But if you will let your defenses down and you will allow yourself to identify that, yes, I am human and I am weak, and I am not strong, and I cannot do, Jesus, what you have called me to do, and I cannot be, Jesus, who you want me and call me to be, but I come before you in my genuineness and in my authenticity, and I say, Jesus, make me, make me who you want me to be. Help me to transform into the person that you see. Help me to live up to the new identity and the new name that you have and are giving me. You see, up until this moment, Peter was trying to be what had been spoken over him by Jesus and whom he desperately wanted to be, Peter, a rock. You know, but we can never be whom God says we are on our own effort. We will become the disciple that God will make us into. The scripture that Pastor Cameron spoke in his first part of the series was when Jesus came and he called the disciples, he said, come and follow me and I will make you into a disciple. You know, this, this morning I want to make this statement, and it is this, is that we can never be the anointed preacher on the day of Pentecost declaring the gospel with power until we know who we are by the fire. We 
shy away from the fire. Do you know what? The, in, the, in Acts 1, before the outpouring of the Holy Spirit, John the Baptist says that you will be um, baptized with the Holy Spirit and with fire. And we say, we want to be baptized with the Holy Spirit. And we want your power, Jesus. We want to do the miracles, Jesus. We want to do all of those amazing things for you, Jesus. But we don't want the fire. We don't understand the fire. If I were to probably come to you and say, what did the John the Baptist mean by baptizing you in fire? You might not completely be able to give me an answer. I'd like to put forth this morning that it's what Peter went through at that fire, around that campfire when Jesus Christ was about to be crucified. The fire is a refining. The fire is purifying. It purifies our our soul, our mind, our will, and our emotions. Our spirit is saved, and we are filled with the Holy Spirit. But the fire comes to wash our feet. Isn't that funny? That it's fire that actually washes our feet. It's fire that cleanses us of of the, the fleshly, worldly things that grab our attention and grab our emotions and grab our 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 time and our energy and our talent and our skills. It's the fire of God that actually cleanses us and washes our feet. God is saying you don't have to shy away from the fire anymore. That this is a safe place. That when you surrender to the person of the Holy Spirit, you are in a safe place. And he says, when you walk through the fire, I will be with you. You will not be burned. When you walk through the water, I will be with you. When it feels overwhelming, you will not sink and you will not drown. But you have to let your defenses down. You have to allow the fire to begin to purge and to renew and to restore and to refresh. I feel this morning like God is wanting to make sure and say to somebody, you don't have to be afraid. There's 365 times in the Bible where God says, do not be afraid. And I feel this morning he's using one of those on you and saying, you do not have to be afraid of the fire. That fire is of me, and I will be with you in it and through it. I also feel this morning like God is saying, maybe some of you feel like Peter, that you have failed. Maybe there's somebody you failed. Maybe there's um, a particular person you feel like you betrayed. Maybe you feel like you are a failure. That things that you have done or said or are doing are not just an event, but it's a character trait. That you, in and of yourself, are a failure. But I would say to you this morning that God is calling you out of failure, out of unfulfillment, into a place of fulfillment. That if you are willing to walk with him by the fire... And allow him to bring you to that place of authentically decreeing and declaring, this is who I am. That he's going to come and he's going to bring a fulfillment of, this is who you are. A child 
of God. You know, it's interesting that I've been grasping this concept that our identity is not just that we are children of God, but that we are children of God in humanity. That it's not just about who we are in God, but who he is in us. And the only way we can grasp who he is in us is to come to that base foundational realization and understanding of our humanity's depravity. It's then that we can, can grab a hold of the fact that we do fall short, that we will fail, that we do fail. But it's in those moments that Jesus, that's where he says in your weakness, I am strong. In your weakness, I will make you strong. In your weakness, I will give you the grace and the strength and the power to do what I have called you to do. But we want to be strong in and of ourselves. We want to be bold. We want to be full of faith. And there is some truth to that, but you can't get there until you've also been around the fire first and foremost. You know, this particular clip is the only part of the Passion of the Christ that I watch once a year. I've watched the Passion of the Christ once. <laughs> that was enough for me. <laughs> um, but this particular clip, I watch it once a year um, because it reminds me, not in a bad way, but in a very good way, that at any moment, I can move back into my humanity. That I have to be diligent and to be aware of walking in the Spirit and being dependent upon the Holy Spirit and upon Jesus so that I can do and be all that he has called me to be and to do. Amen? The question I want to ask us this morning, I'm going to be ending with this. So a question comes up for us then, how do we come into that place of fulfillment? If Christ is, is calling us to follow him, if he's calling us to have faith, if he's calling us into fulfillment, then how is he going to do it? And I want to take us to a place that is a, a description of what this sermon is called, and it's come to the water, and it's, I want to take you to the Sea of Galilee, where Jesus encounters Peter once again, and he gets to restore Peter and reinstate Peter. So after Peter's seemingly failure and his understanding of his human depravity and that he could never be who God said or called him to be without Jesus doing it for him. Then we find him back in the Sea of Galilee and, and they've been having Jesus show himself to them during these 40 days and this is before Jesus Christ has ascended and Peter is out fishing with the disciples one morning. And they're about 100 yards out. And they're trying to catch fish, and they can't catch any fish. And then they see this guy walking on the shore. And that guy calls out to them, and he says, Have you caught any fish? And they say, No. And he says, Cast your nets on the right side of the boat. 
And so they do, and they catch a miraculous catch of fish. Um, it was 153 fish they caught that day, and that was miraculous. They were only 100 feet out from shore. And then they knew that it was Jesus Christ walking on the shore. And so Peter immediately put on his outer garment, and he jumps out of the boat, and he immediately runs to the shore to Jesus. And guess what's at the shore? There's a fire, and it's burning, and it has fish, and Jesus has bread. <laughs> Come to the water. Have the bread of life. Come to the fire. I think it's amazing that Jesus doesn't lose any detail. That he brings Peter back to a fire. And all the disciples come in and they have breakfast with Jesus. And when they have finished eating, then Jesus says to Simon, he says this. Let me just see where I am. He says, Simon, son of John, and, and it's interesting here because he's referencing Peter's identity, identity from when he first met Jesus. So back to Simon, son of John, Simon, son of your father, do you love agape me more than these? And that word agape means do you love me with the God kind of love, the unconditional kind of love, the love that can only come from God. And Simon responds with this. He says, yes, Lord. He said, you know that I love you. Phileo you. And phileo is a brotherly affection. And Jesus said, feed my lambs. And again, Jesus said, Simon, son of John, do you love agape me? And he answered, yes, Lord. You know that I love phileo you. I know, you know I, I love you with the brotherly affection. And Jesus said, take care of my sheep. And the third time he said to him, son of John, do you phileo me? And Peter was hurt because Jesus asked him the third time, do you love me? He said, Lord, you know all things. You know that I love phileo you. And Jesus said, feed my sheep. And I believe that in this moment, what Jesus was getting people, Peter to understand and to recognize was that Peter you want to love me the way I love you you want to agape me with that unconditional God-like love but all you're capable of is a brotherly affection and Peter in the past you have failed in that but I'm going to bring you to fulfillment because Peter I want you to see that what you were trying to do was a fleshly love and now I want to fill you with a godly love that in your flesh, what you couldn't do and what you have repented of. I now want you to also repent of the motive of a love for self. Because there's a part of us that tries to do the things for God and for him because it brings something to us. And it was in this moment that Jesus was restoring Simon and transforming him to Peter and saying, Peter, I'm going to fill you 
with my, my spirit, my agape love, and you're going to come into fulfillment of all that I have said, all that I have prophesied over you as to who you are and who you will be and what you will do. Peter, and he talks about feeding his lambs and his sheep, and basically he's reinstating him to leadership once again in the church. And then we get to fast forward once again to the day of Pentecost. And Peter, Peter has been restored and reinstated and now understands that there has to be a separation between flesh and spirit for the power of God to come upon him, for him to be able to do anything for God. It's in this moment then that Peter has the privilege on the day of Pentecost to receive the empowerment of the Holy Spirit, the fulfillment of all of the prophecies, and to receive this promise of that fulfillment and then release it and see a catch of 3,000 men and women come to Christ in one sermon. Isn't that amazing? Thank you for taking the time to listen to one of our messages from Impact Church. We hope and trust that this message encouraged you. If you want to find out more information about our church, check us out online at www.impactkingston.com.